Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana. Nope, GM fucking bat 1000. It's not, it's never, it's not possible. You can't bat 1000. And Nam Man. Jim's like literally like probably struggling. Like, what, what is this? Nobody told me that there's math involved in this job. <laughs> Season 2. Yo, yo. Welcome back to the SCT show. It's Ryan Lee Hall here with. Roger Shergill, no Tanvir, no Nam, so we can finally get a chance to speak. Um, how's it going, buddy? Good, good. Producers are taking over this podcast episode today. That's how it should be. Tanvir, man, he just doesn't stop. Tanvir, uh, let it be known in the next coming episodes, probably in the next one, there's going to be some more Jake Vertanen talk, and there might be a wager on the line. There might be. That's not the first time we've said that, and that's not the first time he said that. Um, this whole COVID-19 pandemic that shut down the NHL season also shut down his wager that he had with somebody else. But I think he's determined to try and double down on that next uh, coming up next season and, and even betting with us. So we'll see. We'll tell you guys what that wager is. Did you hear that? Yeah. Oh. Someone's getting a text. Someone did text. I should probably turn those off. Who is that? Tamir? It was not Tamir, but hey, he hears the name Jake Martin, and usually that means that he's right around the corner. So it could have been Tamir, but it, this time it wasn't. I don't understand his love fascination with Jake Vertan and like his initial bet was he bet someone else in the SCT group chat. If Jake scores twenty, that guy has to buy him a Jake Vertan in jersey. And it's yeah, like I mean, he was gonna get it. Like he was gonna get twenty. He was gonna get, which is why I said like this whole COVID nineteen thing also shut down his bet, which he was going to win this year. Next year's bet, um, that again hasn't been official yet, and haven't we haven't talked about it yet on the show, but we will at some point. I was texting with him today about it. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be doubling time. You're doubling down, and we're gonna see what really happens and, and what happens what's the next step for jake for because i do think that 20 was a an achievable step i think you know that's been coming for the last couple of seasons we've been expecting 20 goals but the the next step for jake what tanvir's predicting i don't know if that's something that's possible no it's not possible it's unreal uh, actually it's, it's possible but i don't know if it's possible for next season no you like know, you said, you it's possible well. if 22 and 33 come back. Yeah, so that was, yeah, exactly. So that was a, uh, I mean, again, we'll dive a little bit deeper yeah. into this next time, right? Because we, we want Tambio and we want Nam here to also to also experience this and, out, and to also make it official. But uh, uh, there is a wager coming on, on the Jake Bertan in front. So if you're, a, if you're a supporter of that player, then perhaps you're on Team Tanbeer. But uh I think you, me, and, and Nam are all going to be on the same page on this one. Oh, for sure. Who do you think like our audience is a fan of more, Tanvir or Nam? Oh, well, you know what? Based on the fact that, based on the fact that most of Canucks Twitter is against Jim Benning, and so is Nam, most of our audience is, is fans of Nam. I think Jim, I think Nam is extremely smart and has great points. Are you saying Tanvir is not smart? No, I'm, oh, that's not what I'm saying. I think he's extremely smart and he's got great points. My point <laughs> is I think that Tanby at the same time has fantastic counterpoints. So 
I do think that both of their their points are very valid. I think Nam has a, a completely different view of of what it takes to to run an organization, um, and I think Tanbeer has maybe perhaps a little bit more of a realistic view. You know, if that makes sense, not in the sense of like running an organization, but in the sense of maybe like like shit happens sometimes, you know what I mean? Like there, there's sometimes there's things that are out of your control and, and not just now, I'm not talking about Nam here, but I'm talking about the, the general Canucks fan base will find a way to point the finger at somebody. And most of the time that is Jim betting. Uh, but I think like he's able to sort of look at things with a clear headed view. And I think Nam is able to break things down in a overall perspective so i think both of those guys complement each other nicely and that's why we chose them to be the uh, voices of sct that's right we chose them hand-picked that's why we are yeah that's why we take a step back but you know what it's time to time to put them in the backseat and and for us to to, for us to you know have be in the driver's seat this time yeah there's always a lot of jim benning talk there's always a lot of jake for talk there's always a lot of judd bracket talk lately but that's not what we're talking about no uh the canucks all-time team DSN released this list. Yeah, yeah. So, um, start with that. Sportsnet put out a a graphic today that had, I think, six or seven people, six or seven players, I think, included one defenseman, one goalie, and the rest were forwards, um, talking about who they thought, or I guess they asked us who who we think are the best players or the best player is in Canucks history. And if you're going to talk about the best player, singular, then that becomes a little bit tougher. But you and I decided to sort of put it in order. And TSN also had the the greatest all-time team, which I think we're also going to dive into a little bit deeper. And so here's the thing with, I mean, we'll, we'll do we'll do one at a time. Like, we'll talk about Sportsnet's graphic maybe first, but, like, I do want to dive into TSN's as well because TSN's, you and I agreed, is that their line combinations, and I don't know how much they, like, thought about the line combinations. Maybe they just put it put in, you know, who, whoever they thought would whoever they thought the three best are the next threes and the next three, right? But um, in terms of line combinations, like, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. But, you know, we will dive in, dive in a little bit deeper into that. Um, but you, you want to start with the Sportsnet graphic. Like, who are the six or seven players that are on that? Well, okay. Who do they have? They had Luongo, Bure, Nasland, Luongo, Bure, Nasland, Bertuzzi, Olin, Olin Linden, Henrik Daniel. It wasn't Trevor on that Andrew list? Daniel Linden. So there's Daniel eight. Linden. Okay. So we're going to rank them, right? Right. I so think... I sent you my list, yeah, and you sent me yours, which is a little different. Yes. Okay. So we both had the twins as top, right? Yeah. So they're, they're a singular entity. Henrik and Daniel are you both... can't separate them. They're one player, essentially. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't put any one of those guys ahead of Henrik and Daniel. Yeah, I mean, there's the the obviously the only player that is probably going to take a run at them is Pavel Bure, but I think based now that they're retired and what they did for the organization, I think that yeah, Henrik and Daniel Sneed are are for sure number one, mm-hmm. unanimous, easily. Um, and there's a whole another debate to this as too like that I have at least with other fans is whose numbers really deserve to be retired in Canuck history. Well, yeah, I mean, we can we can get into that. We're going to well. get into that too because I don't believe what they have is right. We'll just say that. Okay. Okay, so so the Twins are easily first. For sure. And you both agree. Now, you have Burray second, and I have Burray second. Correct, yeah. 
after this, it gets interesting. But Burray, okay, Burray has to be number two overall because, well, technically, he is still the best player, one player that the team has ever had, the franchise has ever had, their only real superstar. Yeah, the Twins sure. are a different kind of superstar. Um, yeah, Burray yeah. was just different. And I think, like, Burray was legitimately having a player like Alex Ovechkin on the Canucks now. Yeah, exactly. Right, imagine, like, imagine that kind of player on your team that Sedin's or... I think the Vancouver fans considered superstars. It took them a little while to get going, but they were never superstars in the sense of flashy, big hits, big goals, big slap shots, right? Like they were puck possession guys. And once they dominated on the half boards and down below the net, then they were unstoppable. And then that made for some nice goals that made for some great shifts, some highlight reel plays. But in terms of being, flashies in terms of being like an Ovechkin or a McDavid guys that are going to go out there and then absolutely catch your eye every single shift. They weren't like that. They were simple players that just got it done on the basic level. And that's why I think that they're so good. Burry is a whole different type of player. And because of how flashy he is and his speed and his shot and everything and him, his ability to just evade defenders, that's why he obviously gets the number, the number two nod and his stats speak for themselves as well. The thing I remember the most about the Twins when they first came in was, one, they weren't the greatest skaters. Two, they couldn't really shoot the puck. Three, they were fairly slow, but they kept the puck well. The thing yeah. was, they kept the puck very, very well, but they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. All right? And then eventually, they learned how to play in North America, and then you could really see them. They started to move the puck a lot quicker. Yeah. And they figured well, out how to cycle properly. Exactly. And I mean, you talk about the NHL nowadays is so based on puck possession. And that's how, like, you know, anytime we talk to a, an analyst, analytics guy, right, for example, like Harmon, he'll say that the dump and chase is dead. That like teams rely on carrying the puck in and having possession of that puck to create offense. The Sedins were masters of that. Like they did dump the puck in, but they had a guy like Burroughs to go retrieve it. And once he did retrieve it, they weren't letting go of that puck. For at least like a, a handful of seconds, you know what I mean. And like that puck was going from Daniel to Henrik to the blue line back to those two, and then all over again until it would get a shot on goal or or they would score a goal. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that like it, it's it's crazy how I think Brian Burke said it best before puck possession was ever a thing. The Sedins were doing it. Sometimes I like wonder whether or not <clears throat> whether or not that the Twins. If they came into the league like 10 years later, how like much, that. like like now, how much quicker would they have developed? Well, right? yeah, I, mean, I don't know about that because like you look at the players, almost every team has this player now. I think on the Canucks, it's Hughes and Pedersen. On the Leafs, it's Matthews and Marner. On the, the Islanders, it's Barzell, right? Um, and, and there's all these players that are fantastic skaters. Sedins were never that, right? Almost every team has one of those kinds of guys now. And so, yeah, do I think the Sedins would dominate? 100%, right? Of course they would. They could still be playing in the league today and dominate, right? They're probably good for 40 points in a season right now. Um, But I think that the league sort of changed dramatically in like 2015 when you had all these guys like Kyle Connor and Matt Barzell being... And Mitch Marner, like I said, like come into the league and just dominate with their skating ability. So yeah, like their possession is still fantastic, 
but in terms of they're being dominating like yeah I, I i still do think that they would be great but i don't know if this era is necessarily um like helpful to them you know what i mean i don't know i'm like more kind of seeing it from the perspective that like there's not as much hooking there's not as much slashing you can't do as much that way so you're not going to yeah. slow them down as much right yeah, yeah and they sure. dominated when the rules kind of changed too so if they're playing now and they're coming into the league now they probably get it quicker no yeah, no, they for sure would. Again, I I, I do think that I do think that they were going to be they're going to remain superstars. They're yeah, going to come into yeah. the league and they're going to put up 70, 80, 100 points. Uh, but would they be better than what they were in their era? Like I'm not necessarily sure about that. I already like you know what I mean? I don't know if the game has changed to the point where it's in their benefit. Hmm. Interesting. So number Interesting. so number 2 was Bure. Number 2 was Bure. So we had Twins Bure and then you went number 3, you went Luongo. I went Luongo on this one, and we can discuss yours too, which is, for me, it was surprising what you went with. Um, I, you and I are in like a little bit of a different era. Like, we cross over for the most part, but like very little bit of a different era. Enough for number three, I think, to influence your decision. Okay, so I fought with, with three because I put Linden. Yeah. I thought about putting Nasland. See, yeah, okay. So I fought with three as well, but I fought with Nasland as well. But you went Luongo. But I went Luongo. I, I fought. I fought with Luongo and Nasland, and you fought with Linden and Nasland. Yeah. So, so uh, well, I mean, I'll explain myself. I, I mean, just like Beret, pretty much how he was a legitimate all star. Luongo was a legitimate all star. He was a superstar goaltender, one of the best in the game, and one of the greatest in NHL history to play for the Vancouver Canucks. And he did it at a time when he was in his prime led the team to the playoffs when there wasn't a whole lot of optimism in like 2006 or 2007 when AV had just come in and, and Luongo had played like 76 games. And then he goes on and, and puts up consistent numbers year after year after year with the Canucks. Obviously no Vezina, but the numbers speak for themselves and his, his performance as a Vancouver Canucks goaltender is, is absolutely tremendous. And there's not a goalie in, in the in Canucks history that even steps close to Luongo. Um, and so that's why I think Luongo is, is number three on my list. And obviously getting within one game of the Stanley cup is like, that's up there as well. He was a goalie to get them there. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that from a superstar point of view, Luongo, Luongo takes it for me. But is he the ultimate Canuck, though? Is that not Trevor Linden, the ultimate Canuck? Yeah, but like, okay, is this a little, like, are we talking about, like, there's no doubt in my mind that heart and soul-wise, yeah. But that's but the thing. Are we, so are, are you talking, talking about the greatest like, player in terms of skill? Because then it's different. Well, like, I think, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but is that not the way that the first two have been ranked? Right. I would say the first one, essentially. One is both, I would say. One is both. Two, we can argue that, okay, like, his legacy Linden, wasn't that great. Linden personifies what it is to be a Vancouver Canuck. Yeah. He's the heart and soul of the team. So but the like, fact that he's not in your top three, even, or yeah, your top four, even. At, but if you're putting him at number three, what's the, like, and you're basing number two on skill, why not put number? Why not put Linden number two? You know, because it's I mean? hard like, to put Linden number two because of how good Burray was. Yeah, but if you're basing that on skill, you know what I mean. Yeah, but like you can't. But like uh, realistically, though, if we're talking about players that are like like Luongo and Pavel Burray, both could be 
number seven and eight based on the fact that their relationship with the team soured. Right. So I think if we're taking that into, into account, then it's a little bit different, but if we're talking about pure skill for me, Lyndon is surpassed by Luongo and Naslin. If we're talking about pure skill then Lyndon probably at the bottom. Yeah. Which is why he's not in my top five. Even top. though, even though over a thousand games, 867 yep. points, Took this team to within one game of a Stanley Cup. Yep. The ultimate captain. The most beloved player in franchise history. Which I still don't quite understand because I'm a little bit too young for that. But anyway. He did a lot of good things for this team. For this franchise. I think you could say Trevor Linden in a way kind of helped put them on the map. Yeah, I think so for sure. Because like this is a guy who came in as a hyped up prospect. Mm-hmm. And then lived up to lived up to the expectations, mm-hmm. right? Like he got the team to the Stanley Cup final within five or six years of being drafted. Um, and and he was your captain. And he was your like just your all around player. Your all around best player. Yeah, and and also like if you look at what the Vancouver Canucks like, what happened to the organization once the team <clears throat> once Trevor Linden left the organization, like once he got traded to the Islanders, what happened to the team? The Canucks were rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And there were season ticket holders that were leaving and, and not getting their, not renewing their season tickets because Lyndon had gone and Mike Keenan was there and Mark Messier was there and this team was going in all the wrong directions. Glory years. Yeah, exactly. It took Trevor, it took <laughs> getting Trevor Lyndon back to the Canucks for fans to start believing again. Yeah. To reset. But I think that's how important Trevor Lyndon was to the team. And. I think, like I said, I think all of those things are, they make great points. They make great points as to like why he's probably number one in your hearts as a mm-hmm. Canucks fan. But in terms of this list and, and the way I think that at least I ranked it is based on skill. And, you know, that's something that obviously Lyndon is, that's why, I mean, that's why he falls on my list. See, I always have a hard time with him and Naslin because I feel like a lot of people will say, yeah, Naslin was good, but like he just, he didn't have it. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't have that captaincy kind of, I guess what people would say their typical sort of captain. He wasn't a typical leader. He didn't have that one sort of um, intangible, which I would disagree with because, one, you don't, you're not in that room with them, with the team. And, two, like, he led by example. But just a lot of people would say that Nasland wasn't here long enough, some people would say. He, he, didn't, did. he didn't have playoff success. Couldn't get by round two. Never had a goaltender. Well, I mean, hey, if your player, if you're that good, maybe you can, you know. Sure. I right, yeah. Like, yeah, you're the best line in hockey. Those are valid arguments, but like, I think the I think the counter argument to the playoff thing is goaltending. I think like that's something that's like you're not putting that blame on Naslund. But are you saying oh. that Dan Cloutier was that bad? Well, no, I don't think Cloutier <laughs> was bad. I think Cloutier got hurt at bad times, right? Like, how many times did did uh, <laughs> that's there's, there's Somebody texted me saying Kluge was a goat, uh, but like Kluge was, Kluge got hurt, and it was near, it was near the playoffs. Two thousand four, end of the regular season, yeah. or, or near, end of the regular season, or actually in the playoffs, like 04 was, yeah. and oh three he was there the whole playoffs, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure uh, against the Blues know. and Wild, I'm pretty sure. And like, but the team was. Like you know, like I'm not saying that Kluge was bad, but I'm just saying, saying that like there was a lot of injury pro- troubles there as well. So, yeah, like you can, there is that point that yeah, the Canucks didn't have a goaltender. 
You know what's I think funny? That's a valid agree or valid arguments. Like a lot of people have Luongo and Kirk McLean as your like top two goalies in franchise history. You could make an argument that in terms of fan favorites, Cloutier was probably number three. Yeah. Even probably. though people like, shit on him. Who, like, who are the top five goalies in Canucks history? Okay, actually. Well, you know what? Like, Jacob Markstrom is already up there. Yeah. It's Luongo McLean. Is Markstrom three already? Like, probably. I would say, yeah, I would say so. Team doesn't really have a great history. It's going to be Luongo McLean, Markstrom, Broder. Yeah. Broder. And Ryan then, Miller? Like, Ryan, like, it could legitimately be Ryan Miller. For sure, it could be Ryan Miller. Like, especially when you're talking skill wise. Yeah. Skill wise, like, yeah, Ryan Miller. Now, if we're talking about what Ryan Miller did for the Vancouver Canucks in comparison to another goalie, then yeah, a go- another goalie can probably can probably take the cake over Ryan Miller. But in terms of like the time when Ryan Miller came in, the team was going through a little bit of a rebuild, and the team needed some sort of stability in net, and that's what Ryan Miller brought. Right. So yeah, I mean, I think Miller is probably up there again. Like, I haven't really looked at all the numbers or all the players, or you know, haven't really. Like this is just sort of an impromptu conversation, but like, I don't think it's a. a, it's a not bigger, at all. I don't, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it's a reach to say that Ryan Miller is up there. No, I think I think definitely Jacob Markstrom's already up there, and, and I and I don't think like like Kluge is probably very next on that list. And then you've got um, like how far back is Corey Schneider? How far back is Alex Ald? How far back is you know all of these goaltenders that were just subpar? I guess right. Gar Snow. Gar Snow. Archer Zerbe. Zerbe would be up there. No? Felix Potvin. <laughs> Felix Potvin. <laughs> Kevin you Weeks, know, like, the goalie of the future. All right, like exactly, like they're the history of of, of Canucks goaltending isn't all that good. Oh my god, Gary Smith. Goal. Sorry, isn't Gary Smith up there? And yeah, Gary Smith is up there, and uh, John Garrett would be disappointed Cheech. that we didn't know that. And our boy Cheech. Yeah, he would have to be up there. But like, I think I looked at Broder's stats. Like, he wasn't that great. He had one good playoffs, and they went to the final. Well, exactly. You know, like, but I, I look at those. I find it hard pressed to look at the numbers from the eighties because I it's don't so know. Bad. And the hockey was good. bad too. <laughs> huh? And the hockey was bad as well. Yeah, but like, you don't know what's good. No. <laughs> like, is an eight ninety five save percentage good? Like, <laughs> it's probably good for the eighties. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Again, I don't know what a save percentage is. I'm not looking at it. But like, whatever the hell it was, is that good? Is it bad? I don't know. Right. I guess you would have to judge it based on every other goaltender, but. It's the the hockey was so entirely different that I think maybe back then one playoff run did you know put you in, in the all time greats category. Hey, Wayne Gretzky made a career off of not being being able to lift the puck off the ice. So yeah, I mean, think yeah. about that—the greatest hockey player ever played in an era where you couldn't lift the puck. Anyway, Twins Bury Linden for me, Naslin for you. Or sorry, Twins Bury Luongo for you, Linden for me. Correct. And who's your no- number four? Uh, I just lost my list here. Let me check. Uh, my number four, I I put Marcus Nasland. I did too. So we flip flopped on number three. three. Yeah. So Nasland is my number four, and and for everybody who who doesn't know, like Marcus Nasland is my probably my all time favorite Canuck. Marcus Nasland is my all time favorite hockey player. Period. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's not. A, I guess it makes sense. Like the reason why Naslund, Naslund like might have been surpassed for me. I think a lot of 
like the uh, a lot of the reason I think I have Marcus Naslin up there is because growing up as a as a fan in Vancouver was so dominated by Marcus Naslin that like that fanfare still exists today because I was a kid watching him. I think that there's players that I've seen that are better than him, like the Sedins and like even Luongo, right? Guys that I like really did adore and are up there in my terms of my favorite players as well. But Naslin was the first player that I really like hook was hooked onto for watching him and I think that's always going to stay there. And that's why he's probably the number one. Same, same. I think for me I had a slight beret phase and a slight Linden phase, but I was too young and then they both left. And then there was yeah. no one, right? Well, you know what, like the funny story about like Trevor Linden and going back to him is that like my I remember like my mom and like my older cousins would always say like, Oh, Trevor Linden is one of the best Canucks players of all time, right? And this is when like it's like oh five, oh six or whatever. Oh four, and I just didn't get it. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, yeah, this guy—he's a third line this center. Guy, you, exactly. You know? This guy's like not even that all that great. Look at Naslin. Look at this guy's speed. Look at that wrist shot. He does it all with a wooden stick. He goes end to end. Goes top shelf on Patrick Laleem. Like this guy is freaking fantastic. And, and and not to mention, like sitting right next to him is Todd Bertuzzi and Brendan Morrison. Like, are you kidding me? This guy's this guy's sick, right? Well, legitimately, one of the best left wingers in the NHL. For a handful of seasons, um, and so like I didn't get that fanfare for Trevor Linden when I was young, and and so you know seeing the ultra skilled Marcus Naslin doing all the dangles and and I think what really made me fall in love with him was that wrist shot, like that I was hooked because that shot was that shot was sick and it was it was deceiving. Goalies couldn't see which way it was going to go, whether it was going to go sharp uh, short side or whether it was going to go far side. And, you know, looking back at it now, he did it all with a wooden stick. It, it was perfectly placed, his shot. He, he could deke, he had the hands, he had the speed. And the thing about Nazan was, I think he defined a generation for this team. Linden did too. Yeah. And I would say Linden and Nazan are the only two players that really did. They defined eras. They defined generations. Sadines? I would say yes, but only because... The Sedins defined a different era and a different generation that are like, how old would they be now? Like 18, 17, 16? Oh, yeah. I'm, done, like, I'm thinking about in terms of ages, right? Uh, not that young, though. Like, but, like, so, like, what do you mean in terms of like defining an era? Like, in terms of... In terms you know what? Of, like, I, I do think that for the Sedins, it took them a little bit longer to really become fan favorites and really to say, okay, this is our team. It wasn't until like 08, 09, 10. Yeah, but even when it was like the Sedin's team, which, you know, Henrik Sedin took over as captain in 2010, 2011. But even when he, that happened, and even three or four years prior to that, was it really their team? Yes, it was, obviously. But... No one thought of it that way. Roberto Luongo. Yeah. Right? Like, and so, yeah, the Sedin's definitely defined an era in Vancouver Canucks history, which is... I guess best defined as successful, right? Like it was the most successful era that the Sedin sort of had power in, in terms of like captaincy history. Um, but Luongo was the face of the franchise that entire time. Yeah, that is true. Um, that's so crazy though. They're the most successful era in franchise history and still didn't win. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, no, I, I totally, I think it's, um, I don't know. You can't really go back and say anything about that, right? Like you got you got within one win of the Stanley Cup, and 
nine times out of ten, that goes the other way, you would hope, I think, if there wasn't for the injuries and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah. The only knock on Aslan would be the lack of playoff success, right? Yeah, he, sure. he, he couldn't get by round two. They should have twice. 03 and 04. Yep. The 0-3 team is really interesting because I think that that 0-3 team goes to the final against the Devils, and they probably don't win, but I don't think it's a blowout. Like, I'm thinking they go six games. Yeah. What was the series against in Anaheim? I think it was five. I think was the Devils no, beat the no, Ducks no. in five, seven. no? No, they didn't go to game seven in 0-3. Did they? Not, dude, they went to seven because J.S. Shiger won the, won the, uh, the Conn Smythe that year after losing. They were not going to give him the console for on. five games. I'm sure that went to seven Oh, games. no, man. J.S. Shiger was on fire that entire playoff. He was. For sure he was. Did that really go five or six? Like, six at least, man. Did not go five. I think it went seven. I'm Googling this right now. I think it went seven, and it was a 3-1 win for... Oh, my God. Three. It did go seven. 3-1 win, New Jersey? 3 nothing. Nothing, okay. I had no clue that went seven. Oh, I guess yeah. I knew, but I didn't remember. That won seven. And like yeah, so would the Canucks have been successful as successful as the Anaheim Ducks? Or the yeah. mighty ducks of Anaheim, I yeah, should say. Yeah, they would have. Well, JSU Gear, the Canucks never had a JSU Gear. That's true. But And that's is... like JSU Gear versus Marty Broder. Now imagine Roberto Luongo on that team, that's a different story. And Luongo at that time is like Young as hell, ripping it up in Florida, ready to become the next Marty Brodeur. Right? Yeah. Hold on. Okay. So I brought up the stats of the 0203 Devils team, and I'm convinced that the Canucks could either go seven or win. Because. But you know what? Like, okay, sure, go ahead. They couldn't really score. But that's the whole point. I knew you were going to say that. That is what the Devils team is. They played trap hockey. They're like the notoriously the most boring team in NHL history. And that's how they won championships. And you know what? Like that is like I don't know if I believe this. I I, I feel like I feel like I probably do. Now I don't know where Marty Berdur is on on all time goaltending lists. But I don't know if I have him in the top three. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because of the style the Devils played. He never faced a whole bunch of shots. Their defense was incredible. Their style of play, the trap game, was so boring that he never got a whole lot of shots. And then when they did score, they would win like games one nothing, two nothing. But like wouldn't by that sort of logic you're thinking that like Chris Osgood would deserve more of a, you know, credit well, then? But where, where are you putting Osgood? Oh, Osgood's way down there. Underrated yeah, goalie, but he's not Marty Broder. Come on. Osgood, yeah, exactly. Osgood's fantastic. Like, Osgood's underrated. Osgood's like, you could make it a case for Osgood being in the Hall of Fame, I think. But, like, Osgood isn't Marty Broder, you know what I mean? But, like, I, like, I, I do think that there's cases like Rebola or Henry Lundquist to be made from even being in the top three. Now, that's probably a bit of a reach. Probably, like, that's not going to happen. But I'm basing it on goaltender from this era, right? For me, number one is Dominic Koshik, for sure. Yeah, easily. Number number two is Patrick Waugh. Easy. And then comes goalies that are probably from a different era. 
an era in which, like we said, that it's hard for us to define because it was hard to watch and you didn't really know what was good and what was bad, right? And so that's why when I say like a guy like Luongo or Henrik Lundqvist is up there, um, and obviously Marty Berger, like makes sense to me because these guys were able to do it in an era where it was so hard for them to actually, first of all, be successful as a team. Trap, tra- trap, trap systems weren't really very successful you know, by 2000 post lockout or whatever. And goaltenders and teams that played a more offensive style were the ones that got it done. And for me, like Luongo and Hendrik Lundqvist are two goalies that defined, I guess, that era of, of net minding. Right. So, I mean, again, I'm not saying that Luongo and, and Lundqvist are going to be number three and four on that list or in the top five of that list. But I do think like Luongo and Lundqvist and probably more so Luongo just because I've watched them is probably a top 10 goaltender of all time. Patrick Eliash, by the way, he had 57 points that season and he led the team. Yeah, and that's nuts because Eliash was fantastic, right? Like you talk about offensive offensive weapons that the Devils had and then Eliash is only putting up 57 points. Like like I would think of Eliash as like an 85, 90 point guy. When yeah. you think of like his mm-hmm. importance with the team and how big of a role he played, like number twenty six with New York with the New Jersey Devils, Patrick Ilyash, oh, wow. and that year that he put up fifty seven points, points like, and he was twenty six years old. Yeah, number twenty six, wearing number twenty or age number twenty six, yeah. and wins a cup, and that's like what year is that? That's two thousand three. So he had already won two cups, right? He had won in ninety five. Was he there in ninety five? Must have been. Uh, he was not. His first no? season in the league. He played one game in the 95-96 season. So he did not win that cup. No. And then and then that was their next very next cup, right? Yeah. No, they won in 2000. They won in 2000. So he won two Stanley Cups. I still think the Canucks win the series. Like, do, you like, do you think they have to beat the New Jersey Devils? Yeah. Like Scott Niedermeyer, Brian Rafalski, Scott Stevens, Ken yeah, Danico. I, I don't know. I think they I, beat them. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah, I think that goaltending is the most important thing. Um, kind of got sidetracked course, a little bit there. That was uh, anyway. So I had Nasland as fourth. You had Nasland as fourth. How did we turn a Marcus Nasland conversation into a New Jersey Devils? Because they should have won the cup this that year in 03. Okay, right. Canucks. Correct. Anyway, cool. uh, next on your list is the one we already talked about. I, I have Luongo. on my list, but you have him low here for me. I think. I have Luongo because how can like can a goaltender really be your best all time player in franchise history? You must no, not have any other good players. But nobody's saying that you have a number five or four, four. Yeah, which is why I'm saying like why would he be any higher? Because I think like my argument for him being number three or whatever I had on my list is you had three. He's a legitimate superstar, right? Like the Canucks don't get don't have that level of success that they had and the early part of the 2010s if it wasn't for Roberto Luongo. AV is probably fired if it's not for Luongo, and that's a guy that we regard as one of the best coaches in Canucks history. Right? Like, the the success of... Like, if the Canucks don't have a goaltender... They um, had Corey like, Schneider. Like, huh? They had Schneider. No, but my point is, like, yeah, sure, maybe in 2011 if Schneider... First of all, he's coming in as a rookie. So for the Canucks to get that far with Schneider, I don't believe it even though he had the skill. And also, like, con- like even prior to that, the Canucks needed a goalie for years. And then in 2006, they acquire Luongo, and they get into the playoffs, 
they miss a couple as well, but then they, you know, finally get over the hump. And then in 2008 and nine is when their Stanley cup aspirations truly begin. But if they don't have Luongo and if they don't have a goalie, like they're not even going to get into the playoffs. So guys like Bieksa, guys like Kessler, guys like Burroughs, guys like Raymond, Ellen Vino, whoever are probably not even going to make it out of the two thousands. Like you think they're going to play in the 2010s because they don't have a goaltender like the Canucks aren't going to make the playoffs or if they do make the playoffs, they're going to get eliminated in rounds one. Um, and like Luongo's success was so important because if he doesn't play well and if, well, if they don't have him, first of all, the team isn't going to perform. So I think that the GM at the time, Dave Nonis or Mike Gillis, whoever like depends on, I guess what happens is like, he's going to look at either acquiring a guy like Luongo and that's going to mean making a big trade and getting rid of some guys that they already have. Or it's going to mean, you know what, this core of players isn't going to get it done, so we're going to ship guys like Kessler and Burroughs out of here. So would you say he's more important to this franchise than Burry? Yes. And you could have had him over Burry as second. No, but we're talking about skill, man, like skill. Oh, who knows? What What are we talking about? How do we define this? I, well, I, mean, I think it's skill, dude. Like Again, why is Burry number two on both of our lists? I think he's number two because of that pure superstar ability, the one guy in Canucks history who is legitimately a superstar. But There's also because of his legend. Like of his legend. Sorry? Legend. Bray. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's this kid who came from Russia and just lit up the league. The guy actually came, lit up the league, almost won a cup and left. Yeah. It was so quick, right? It was, what, 10 years, but it was still so quick. Exactly. So, like, that's why he's number two. Legend of Burray, right? Yeah. Like, that's why he's number two. But, like, Luongo, I, I mean... I just yeah, can't see how a goalie could be that high up your list. I just think the importance of him in that in that stretch from when he first got acquired... Like, if the Canucks don't have him, then, you know, like I said, like I just outlined, they're not going to be as successful in the postseason. They might not even get there. No. Meaning, in essence, you're going to have guys get traded. But could you not have gone almost any other competent NHL goaltender, any other starter, and still get a similar result, maybe even the same with those teams? No, no, I wouldn't say so. I would say maybe, like you said, maybe in 2010 or 11. Yeah, for sure. But in 06, 07, and 08, when they missed the playoffs even with him, in 09 versus the Blackhawks, like, I don't think so, right? Like, the Luongo was the reason that the Canucks, you know, finished number three all of those years like they weren't they were a team that was pretty good on defense and like their their top lines were sorry their their forward lines were looking fairly good in the top six but in terms of like high-end talent it wasn't all there right you guys you started to see the rise of guys like Kessler and Burroughs and and all of these guys who were you know going to be mainstays on the team but there was no they, like they hadn't developed yet. And Luongo was the one guy who was still young at the point where you knew that he was going to be your goalie going forward and where you legitimately, he always had your back and you knew that if you had him in net, like your team's actually going to get far. But what's the one knock on him? Playoffs. That he choked. That's like, it's yeah. A, that's but a pretty big knock too. It's not like. You're the best goaltender in franchise history, but the one knock is that you choked. But okay, now are I'm not saying he did, but I'm just saying that's a knock on him. 
but no, are you sure? But are we defining choke now in the same sense, same sense that you earlier said that the knock on Marcus Nasland is also that he doesn't have playoff success? Is it is it that same type of choke, or are we talking choke like he costs us a Stanley Cup choke? Because I think I that's know. the narrative right. that a lot of fans have. Yeah, well. A lot of narratives yeah, that he, yeah, they yeah. have with that Luongo was also the reason you couldn't go by Chicago for those two seasons too, right? Yeah. And he's but, also the reason you beat them the next year. Or was he? He was in game seven. But there was those other three games. Two actually, because Schneider played. Yeah, well, you know, and people forget, especially in 11, like he had three shutouts, right? He got a shutout in game one versus, I think, the Blackhawks. He got a shutout in the first game of the Pred series, or maybe not that series. He got he got a shout out in the first game of the Shark series. Then he got a shout out in the first game of the the Bruin series. Mm, yeah, and, two of them, game one and game five, and in game five, right? Yeah. So he had three or four shout outs in two thousand and eleven. Yeah, like he's winning that con despite that the Canucks win game seven. There's no doubt about it. He allowed six or seven goals in game three, and he allowed, you know, game six, I think, was his, like, worst game probably as a Canuck. And, like, he had bad games in that series. Don't get me wrong. So did the entire team. The team never played all that well either in front of him. I mean, you could say the goalie sets the, you know. winning the cons might. Yeah, but you could say that the goalie sets the tone. Uh, But... I mean, okay, look, if I look back at the game game three versus the Boston Bruins, and that's the game that they lost 8-1. The Canucks had a pretty strong first period. Luongo played well. And I think it was a penalty that the Canucks took, and then, like, a, a weird, like, freak mistake. Alex Adler breaks his stick or something. The puck gets turned over. They score, and then all of a sudden, shit hits the fan, and you're, you know, six get by him or seven or eight or whatever it was. I'm not sure if he was in for all eight. I think he was in for seven of them. But, you know, it's... It, yeah, you're right. The goaltending does set the tone. I think that game was one of those situations where the entire team broke down. Game six, yeah, goaltending obviously sets the tone. But if you're going to... It, like, if you're not playing well in front of them right to begin with, then, yeah, you're right. Like, it's, you know, it's a different story. I can't I can't define it as a choke to Luongo because, you know what, if... If every single game, this is a guy, and the Canucks were injured, right? The Canucks were like very, very badly injured. But if this is a guy that needs to bail you out each and every game, and you know he he allows one, and then your morale is all of a sudden low enough that you can't come back and can't fight back, then like there's more to it than just calling him the choker, right? Well, Luongo's my number five, and Linden is your number five. Yep, it's ridiculous. Trevor Lee yeah. is the fifth best Canuck. Yeah, I mean, like if you look at look at the amount of players that have all on this team, you're number five, man. <laughs> like, he has his number retired, and he's number five. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that right after this. Yeah, we will. Uh, okay, so I had Bertuzzi as my number six. You had Olin. So this, this, yeah. So this we one flipped is... here. So yeah, I had Bertuzzi six and Olin seven. You had Olin six and Bertuzzi seven. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? I agree with. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having Bertuzzi there. And personally, I can see myself like, like I'm not, I'm not married to this Oland ahead of Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi thing. The one reason I re- put Matthias Oland there um, was because he was a, he was a defenseman at the time that the Canucks hadn't had before, right? Like he, of course, was they he? had good defensemen. Yeah, there were def- good defensemen. No, but I don't think there was as many as as good in terms of what Olin brought to the team. 
in terms of a guy who is Paul Reinhardt, Doug Lidster, Yerky Lume. Yeah, I mean, but like, were all those guys like two way? Well, Olin, Olin was your absolute well, shutdown defenseman. He was yeah. always on Jerome McGinley. Remember? Yeah, exactly. He right. was, but then he, but then again, he would also put up points. Yeah, he was right? your two way. He like, wasn't as offensive, was, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? You're. I think the one reason, like you, you had a good point before we started recording, is you said what about Edler, and the reason Edler's not on here is because Edler's still playing. But I think if Edler were to be retired, he probably replaces Olin in that graphic. Most likely, and I still don't like the fact that Alex Edler is the best defenseman in franchise history. I don't like it's a that. Boring name. Because it's just it's Alex Edler. Very, 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 a very, very quiet player. Well, you know what? Like it's going to be Quentin Hughes, and they're, they're you're going to get your. You're going to get your flashy defenseman, the one that you've always coveted, the one that Canucks fans have always coveted. He is going to be number one at some point, and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I'd say he's already number one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, like that to me is a little bit of a reach. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah 52 yeah. points in his rookie season. But, like, it's... When was the last time a defenseman put up 50 points for, for this team? Christian Erhoff. Was it? It must have been Erhoff. I think Erhoff did it twice in a row. I'd say uh, before that, it might have been Jovanovski. Did Jova even did, did Jova do it? Or maybe Edler even did it maybe once. Edler might have. I know. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure the last defenseman to put out 55 points, like 53 even, was like Yerky Lume. Like no defenseman has gotten to that 55. Alex mark. Edler has never had 50. He had 49 once. So like, yeah, Lume I think had 55 or 53 or something like that. Uh, Quinn Hughes is easily going to beat that this season. If and if the season does continue, he will beat that. So yeah, like Quinn Hughes is on that on that on the road to to become the next best defenseman. Joel Nosky right. never even had it. I just yeah, checked. So, yeah. Like yeah, it's it's a little like what about Oland? Mm, probably not. Let me check. Like it's it's kind of it's weird to think about that. Like yeah, these are. Two-way defensemen. And the reason why it's weird to think about, this is why it's weird, okay? It's weird because what's like the, what's what's a word that we use to describe two-way defensemen that just play solid? Like, I think it's boring. Like, that's the word. He plays a very boring style. But you know what? Boring is good because he's, he gets the stick, for, he gets the puck first from his stick. He uses his body. He makes very limited mistakes. He's not flashy. He's always in the right positions. He plays a very boring style, but it gets it done. And I think that's the way we described Oland and Edler is that they're boring, but they put up points quietly, right? And so, like, yeah, it was, I think that's one. I think with Quinn Hughes, it's like he's the exact opposite of boring. He's flashy. He's exciting. And he's going to be your greatest defenseman in Canucks history. Matthias Oland's career high in Vancouver was 36. Yikes. So it would have been Lume. Yeah, and Lula had a 55, I think. So, like, yeah, that's, again, like, that. that's nuts to think that, right? Yeah. And then Bertuzzi, obviously, is the last one for yeah, you. you know second last I'll, one. I'll agree with you. Like, I, I'm, uh, I, can, I can flip my thing now. I can swallow my pride and put Bertuzzi ahead of, ahead of Matthias Oland. Um, what can you say? Like, one of the greatest wingers in Canucks history. Um, he is your Cam Neely that you missed out on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think like when you talk about being a Canuck, and we talked about Trevor Linden having the heart and soul, Tom Bertuzzi is that guy as well. Mm-hmm. Right? 
and Todd, and Todd Bertuzzi. Um, obviously, he has that have that one issue, but like other than that, if it's like he belongs to me, like he is a Ring of Honor guy. Like he belongs in the Ring of Honor. If there's any t- any type of player that should be up there, it's Todd Bertuzzi. Easily, Bertuzzi, Burrows. I would say even Kessler. No, I would say Kessler for sure. And Just, like for like, this can probably segue into our jerseys. Yeah. Uh, but like, just you know, quick and go to the Ring of Honor stuff is like the next is probably who's next. Next is probably like it's easier to predict numbers, but Ring of Honor next is probably like Bieksa or Kessler. Like I think Bieksa is going to go up there. Then I, I do think Bertuzzi deserves it, um, and you think Morrison gets it? Okay, well, you know what? Here's here's my here's why I think Bertuzzi doesn't get it, and this is why I think Morrison could get it. Okay, it's a theory that I have. We all know why Bertuzzi's not going to get it. We all know why. But he does he deserve it? Yes. Now, do the Canucks swallow? Their pride and or not even their pride. The Canucks just say like, you know what, like, f you, rest of the NHL and the rest of the NHL fans. This is our guy. We're gonna we're gonna back him up on this. It's been long enough now. It's been fifteen years, or whatever it's been, right? Like we like this guy has begged for forgiveness and he's been a good. He was a good uh, representative in the Vancouver community. He still comes on Vancouver radio all the time and he talks about his experiences and. All of that sort of stuff. He was a good player in the NHL even after that, right? Like this guy, we we're gonna go to bat for him, and we deserve he goes deserves to go up there. Do the Canucks do that and put him in the Ring of Honor? I don't know. Now, if they do do that, that's commendable to the Canucks. But if they if they say you know what, like the backlash of putting him up there is going to be too crazy, then my alternate 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 uh, suggestion for them is you know what. Put in a line. Put in the West Coast Express. Then you've got Nasland, Morrison, and Bertuzzi up there as a trio together. And there's your way of honoring Todd Bertuzzi. And Brendan Morrison. That's such a oh, that's such a like a backwards way to like walk into it. Is it though? We're just gonna put the whole line up there. But a little, I would okay, say they like, both deserve Nas- it. So, so like Naslin's a white, because Naslin's already up there yeah. in the Jersey retirement, right? So like yeah. Putting him up there a second time or whatever doesn't really matter. This is an honor for La- for for Morrison and Bertuzzi. Yeah. And even when you think of Morrison and Bertuzzi, like you know, as players, you think of them alongside the best player on that line. Yeah. The captain of that team, Marcus Nasslin. Right. So for them to be up there with those three, like I don't think it matters. And this might be a bad example. But like, I don't think it's a bad example. But you might think it's a bad example because I'm about to bring professional wrestling into this <laughs> but it's a but like let me tell you why it's a good example because in in wrestling there's a hall of fame obviously right like rick flair is one of the best pro wrestlers to ever do it and he's in the wwe hall of fame as rick flair but then he's also in the wwe hall of fame as a member of the four horsemen like that tag team itself was so legendary that the, the, the actual faction has to go into the Hall of Fame. So let's see the same thing. Like this line itself is like pretty legendary. It could also go into the Ring of Honor. Sure. 
I don't think that's the same thing, but okay. Why? Because it's like the line doesn't change. The faction changed. No, right? No, the faction didn't change. Though they split. They split at some point, but so did the West Coast Express. But, the, but it's different because, like, this is Canuck history. This isn't, like, NHL history. This isn't, you know, WWE is one thing. I mean, but we're talking about, like... I'd I'm saying like, they both yeah, deserve their name up there. Huh? They do both deserve their name up there. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you shouldn't... Not, again, like, you know, and but that's one faction of the WWE. There are multiple, like, tag teams that have gotten their names in the in the ring of honor or sorry in the in the WWE Hall of Fame. Right? And that's like a group of two people that would not have been good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. That that were are not good enough to be in the Hall of Fame individually. And we're and we're doing it because, you know, like they together put up a a solid tag team career. And obviously Nil Linden and Bertuzzi aren't like that. They were great players without Naslin as well. But like let's be fair Let's be, you know, true here. Like those are the guys that, like Naslin is the guy that made that line. I think really click, and the reason we're talking about Bertuzzi being up there to begin with is because of playing with Marcus Naslin. So I think putting the whole lineup there isn't a, like I, I think that's a way to, to ease the backlash. It is about it, but I think that's my suggestion. It is, but I think you should just say screw it. You know, Bertuzzi's going up. I agree. Aquilini's the kind of guy that would probably do it too. I agree. I agree with you. I don't know. Like, do you think that there is going to be backlash from around the NHL? I don't think anyone cares, you know, to be honest. No? I don't think at this point, no one cares as much. Like, people would still probably, you know, bring it up like, how could you put this guy in your ring of honor, blah, blah, blah. It's because he's still one of the best players in franchise history. Yeah. What did he do? Like he, okay, we we know what what he did, <laughs> but like, I don't no, want to get into me, it too much. For, but like for me, it's like he it's not like he wasn't re- re- remorseful. Yeah, he apologized multiple times. He he served his suspension, and he wasn't the uh, same after anyway. Yeah, the Canucks got rid of him. Like the Canucks knew that you know what we couldn't uh, we couldn't keep this guy, and now they got a really good package out of him, <laughs> but. Um, you know, like he he was he was done with the team after that, and he carved out a pretty good career for himself after that as well. Like I think that he was adored by his teammates wherever he goes. Like I don't think that there's another player in the NHL that was on the team as Todd Bertuzzi that's going to, you know, say a bad thing about him. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, there's obviously one fan base that's going to really really object. But would they even? Probably. It was so long ago now. It's almost 20 years. I don't recall Bertuzzi ever going to... like. I'm sure obviously he did. He played for like 10 years after that. But like, I don't remember yeah, I don't whether either. or not if, if like, they booed him when he went back. Yeah, I'm to not sure. I, don't, I would doubt that they did. Just because even then, it was just like a lot of time had passed. Um, you know, a lot of fans even... You had a lot of new fans at that point. Probably didn't even know who this guy was. Right? Like, I don't think... I don't think a lot of... I don't think he received any backlash. Did McSorley get booed here? Like, no. Did he even play again after? I don't remember. I don't remember either. (laughs) We're too young for this. Anyways. You're right. I don't think we think of McSorley in that same light. I mean, of course, it's remembered, but... I think that's an incident. It's only really remembered here, too. 
Do you I'm think that Bertuzzi incident is only remembered in Colorado? No, I think that's remembered in like the majority of the NHL cities. But I don't think there would be backlash if you put his name in the ring of honor because who's going to really know? Like, who's yeah, really you're, care too you're much? right. You're not going to retire right. his number. I don't think there's going to be that much backlash. No. But the amount of backlash that there is, which could be little, is that you soften it by putting Morrison up there? Yeah, yeah, you could always do that and do it at the same time, right? Yeah. Realistically, though, yeah, you're right. He should be going up there by himself. Yeah, he should be. Um, Kessler is another guy who's going to go up there. I think Bieksa will go up there at some point. Edler is going to go up there at some point. How much space uh, is up there, man? Sorry. How much space is up there? I mean, isn't it supposed to be a ring? Like it's supposed mm. to go around. I guess I don't know. Uh, but that's like four guys, right? That's Burroughs. So he's already up there. That's uh, Kessler, Bertini, Kessler, and Edler. Morrison. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's. Oh wow. There. Okay, whatever. I don't think Morrison should go up there. Underrated. Uh, is there anybody else who's like in the 2011 team that's going to go up there? Uh, Ham Hughes. No, I don't think so. He was great, but like I don't think he's going to go up there. That's the only guy that I would think of, right? No one else. Sallow, Sammy Sallow. Sallow, maybe, yeah, Sallow. Sallow, another yeah. underrated one. What about Luongo? What do you do with him? So that's exactly what my next right. question is going to be. My thing is, okay, stop retiring numbers of players that didn't win anything. Twins, that's it. We can't do it anymore. You got to win a cup now before you get your name up there. Your number retired. No, okay. Here's why you're wrong. Shut up. <laughs> no, wrong. No, here's where you're wrong on this because, okay. I'm going to say at this point, and then we can talk about the current players that are up there. And we can talk about where Luongo lands on all of this. You're wrong in the sense that if Elias Pedersen continues to put up the numbers that he is doing, and he's going to get better, and by the end of his 20-year NHL career, doesn't win a Stanley Cup, you're telling me he doesn't deserve to be up there? Does he score 1,000 points? And how long is he with this franchise for? Let's say if it's like, let's say if he plays in the NHL for 50, uh, 20 years and he's with the Canucks for 15. And does he hit 1,000 points? Correct, yeah. And then, yeah, we got to put him up. Exactly, then. Exactly. So it's not all about winning. But I'm saying you like, can't do it with, with Luongo now. Just leave it. Breathe. Let it breathe. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I don't He's got know. his number retired somewhere else. But he's good. At, like, he deserves it, though. You know, is, is it, okay, look, is it his fault that the Canucks. That he didn't win a cup? Yeah. <laughs> No, but is it his fault that the Canucks chose to, to you know, prematurely retire some numbers that shouldn't have been retired? And I'm looking at like one guy. Well, yeah, I'm really looking at one guy. <laughs> right? There's one guy. There's one guy. Other than that, other than that, like prematurely, there's one guy. Yeah. Right. Other than that, it's like a pretty decent list. The only guy I can make an argument for that shouldn't be up there is probably my favorite player, Marcus Naslin. Oh come on. That's that's. I was again. going another way for that. Huh? I was going to go with someone else. Who? Pavel. Pavel? Yeah. No. Oh. Why did it take you so long to retire his number? Do you know why? Because he went into the Hall of Fame. Once they did that, oh shit, we have a player in the Hall of Fame. We can't not retire his number. But people were pushing for Burry's number to be retired. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it because he had beef with the team. And the way he left was under like bad conditions. It That's had been so long anyway, and the mi- but the minute he goes into the Hall of Fame, we got to retire his number. Yeah, for sure. He you didn't have to. He goes into the Hall of Fame. It's a different ownership group in Vancouver. The Canucks are like, you know what? This is one of the best players we've had. Fans have been calling for it forever. He's in the Hall of Fame. He fucking deserves it. It was it's an excuse. 
to put but them all was, into but it was put not, his number. It was not like it's not like you know, um, fifteen years go by and then and they're like, you know what, this guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, sorry, this guy deserves to have his number retired because of the Hall of Fame. The entire time, as soon as he left Vancouver, we knew that his number should be up there. And the reason why it wasn't it was because of some sort of backlash that he had with the Canucks. Right? It was a sour relationship. But if that's not there, like he's getting his number retired like in the early 2000s. Okay. Pavel Bure last played in Vancouver, 97-98. Yeah. Pavel Bure last played in the NHL, 02-03. Yeah. He doesn't get his jersey retired until when? 2014. Come on. Yeah, dude. Like It's because they put him in the Hall of Fame. They had an excuse now to retire his number. They had an excuse. You're right. But ownership also, changed a long time ago. So that's not like it's not it's not like it wasn't a long time coming. Like it was, right? It was a long time coming. Does he not deserve it? He deserves it. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but I'm just thinking well, it's like it's, is it for you if it for for you if it's like late then can it? Well, why they put him up there? It's because he was in the Hall of Fame. He, he never really showed any interest in the franchise when he retired, right? Yeah, but is, is that like? Come on, they had to they had to film him doing charity stuff <laughs> recently <laughs> to put it. <laughs> Come on, man! Do players have to do that stuff though. Like, no, so but know? like they had no footage of that ever. I don't know, man. <laughs> Come on. Right? I mean, sure. Again, my my argument with Nasland was like because when he retired, I never like thought he would be there. You know what I mean? Like that's really yeah, like, that's my only sort of be like when he left like he was like, one of the best wingers in the NHL for like a hand like a couple of years maybe but when I looked around the NHL like was he one of those players that deserved his number retired I at the time thought no so now when I look back yeah he does deserve it um, yeah, yeah he had 800 and some points right like he deserves it yeah. um but that's what like, that's why I would only say like in the moment when it first happened I was like uh, yeah I'm not sure if he really deserves it but, like, I'm looking at Luongo, and it's the same sort of argument that you're putting forth with Pavel Bure. Luongo deserves it. Like, for me, okay, here's the thing. Luongo is not a Ring of Honor guy. You put Luongo in the Ring of Honor, and you're telling him that you're second class. Luongo's not second class. Luongo's the best goalie that this team has ever had. Well, Luongo's yeah, one of the yeah. best goalies in NHL history. Luongo is also, just like Pavel Bure, probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. So you're gonna tell me that you don't deserve like Luongo in the Hall of Fame, like Luongo in your, on your, uh, in your rafters? Like he should be up there. Hey, he's so good that he put two teams, that he leads two teams in in st- statistical categories. One, it's not that hard to lead both of those yeah. teams in statistical categories, and two, maybe they'll retire his number when he goes into the Hall of Fame. They'll have an excuse then. Yeah, go with I, I think it's gonna be sooner. Probably, I would hope. I do think that there's. I'm I, like I'm, I'm pretty confident that there is, um, that there is a bad relationship because of this whole cap recapture thing, with ownership with Luongo. I think that Francesco and 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 the whole Aquilini family isn't happy with him because of what he's doing. I mean, face it, the Canucks would have three and a half or three point whatever it is, a uh, million dollars off the books, um, if you know if he hadn't retired. But at the end of the day, is that something that you're going to? hold on to forever like yeah i get it it's annoying right now and it is it is like it is really messing with the canucks right now but 
that's something that's, I think, obviously, it's fixable. And at the end of the day, when you look at what he's done, he deserves his number to be in the rafters. But aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of just retiring guys that didn't win anything? No? You're not tired? Like, what are we celebrating at this point? Hey, you were a great player for us. You didn't win us anything. Trevor Linden, maybe not retires number. What's the Stan Smeal, maybe not retires number. Who? Stan Smeal and Trevor Linden, both those numbers. You can make an argument. Don't retire them. I mean, yeah, the one that we said is... Stan Smeal, because they got so happy that they had a decent player, and it was like, oh, crap, he retired. (laughs) Let's just put his number up there. (laughs) Smeal's like the ultimate Ring of Honor guy. Yeah. Right? Like, he's the ultimate Ring of Honor guy. Um... Then, yeah, I mean, like, other than that, like, I don't really have a big problem, but man, I do want to put, like, I, I do think Luongo deserves to be up there. That's like, I think, if, I think the argument is like, if you're not putting Luongo up there, like, why should, like, why should Buffalo have Dominic Kosciuk up there? Kosciuk's the best goalie of all time, but like, how far does Luongo fall from that? Like, I, I don't think it's that big of a difference to have, like, the best goalie of all time just because he was on your team, never won anything, and the best goalie in your franchise history, who's also one of the best goalies of all time. And like one guy's not in your rafters, the other guy in the other organization is. None of those goalies won anything for that team. Hashik won cups, but don't even try to tell me that Hashik's cups elsewhere mean anything to what he did in Buffalo. Now, what I'm trying to Google is who else does Buffalo have? They've retired? got more than the Canucks. They've got seven, I think. Who? Gilbert Perot, Dominic Hashik. Sorry, who did you say? Dominic Kashit, Gilbert Perot, who else would it be? Uh, they have um, uh, that guy. I have the list. Okay. Tim Horton. I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say. That's his jersey retired. Tim Horton played how many years in Buffalo? Tim Horton played two seasons in Buffalo, and he has his jersey retired, and he scored one goal. Why does he have his jersey retired? Not sure. There's that might be that might there. be one of those like legacy ones. Yeah, it might be seven number seven. Rick Martin. Rick Martin, yeah. And they've got the other guy, uh, Jean. Uh, Jean something. Gilbert Perot. Who's fourteen? Rene Robert. Rene Robert. Oh. Don't know who that is. Number sixteen. Pat Laf- Lafontaine. Pat Lafontaine, yeah. And then eighteen. Who's this? Danny Gare. I don't know who any of those guys are. You know LaFontaine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who LaFontaine is. I know, I know who Perot is. I don't know why Tim Hortons yeah. has a number up there. It doesn't say Hashik. Hashik's got a number retired there, doesn't it? I have no clue. You know, I don't think so. You better Google that. Pretty sure Dominic Hashik does. Dominic Hashik, number retired. Yeah, they did. Okay. 30, 39 is retired in, uh, in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo is another one of those. How many are you going to retire without winning a cup? Like you, okay. For Buffalo, if you do Luongo, like for us to say in Buffalo, it's a little bit harder to tell because, like, again, some of those guys, yeah, maybe don't deserve it. But like, I don't know what the hell influence that Ricky Martin or whoever the hell was had on, in the Sabers organization, right? But like, for the Canucks, I don't think that there's any there's any debate that those guys don't deserve it, except for maybe one. And I think Luongo is one of those guys that like. If you don't do it, you're like, he's a classic. 
Like it's a cl- one of those things. It's like, how are you not honoring the best goalie in your history? And it's not your best goalie in your like. You know when we say Edler and Oland are your best defensemen in history, and like we're just like, fuck, like these guys are like, yeah, they're really good, but like these guys are our best defensemen. Like we just talked about this ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. That's not the way we look at Luongo and the Canucks. Yeah, Vancouver was a goalie graveyard. Of course, they don't have that many great goalies in history, but Luongo isn't great because the players before him sucked. Luongo's great because Luongo is one of the greatest to ever do it in the NHL history, period. But I'm just tired, dude. I don't want to retire numbers. If you do Luongo, then Luongo has to be it. You can't retire anybody else until you well, want to I, I do think... Like, unless, yeah. it's a, unless it's like a Pedersen plays 20 years, has 1,000 points, and like never wins. No, you're right. Like if they do Pedersen, um, I'm gonna get a drink. <laughs> if they do Pedersen, sorry, no. If they do Luongo, Lu- like Luongo's last. Luongo's for sure last. But if you do Luongo, when when are you doing it? It has to be within the next what three seasons? There should be. But it's just like let it breathe, man. I don't want to have any more ceremonies. For guys that didn't win, I'm tired. I want to win a cup, Raja. Yeah, but like, dude, I get, I get your point here, man. I get it, and I agree with you. Like, the team has a lot of members retired for that 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 didn't win. But are any of those guys mediocre outside of one? <laughs> hey, Stan you know? Smeal put up a lot of points too. Huh? Stan Smeal did put up a lot of points. Sure. Then you know what I mean. Like, did are are any of them mediocre? Are you, could and, you call Trevor any- Linden uh, mediocre? But are you no. not putting Linden up there? No, like for Linden. Do any of them not deserve it? Right? Like all of them do. And, you know, so Luongo also deserves it. I don't think you're reaching with Luongo. You're not reaching with like, I think anybody else that you honor is going to be a Ring of Honor guy. After Luongo's done, you're only retiring probably two more after that. And that's Quinn Hughes. And that's and that's Elias Pedersen if they are on track to do what they're doing. Bo Horvat is not on pace to get his number retired. He's not getting it retired. I don't like how you have not a lot of faith in a guy like Jake Vertanen. Oh. Yeah, Brock, I don't know. Brock Besser? BC, BC, boy can, BC boy can definitely get it done. But I don't know. I mean, that might be a wager for like 20 years down the road. <laughs> Is Jake Vertanen going to have his jersey retired? Yeah. Beer says yes. I don't know, man. I'm just tired. Like, Luongo, okay, greatest goaltender in franchise history, one of the greatest to ever, ever do it. But at what point do you just say, you know what, man, You got you, we need some standards. And Luongo hits those standards. We, we retired players who sh- maybe shouldn't have, you know, who maybe never did hit those standards. You could make the argument the Twins are the only ones that should be up there. Yeah. If it was the Twins and Luongo, I don't think I have a problem. But because you have some you have all these numbers that no one won anything. What are we doing? What are we doing at this point? Is this our franchise? We're going to retire numbers and no one wins? Are you okay with it being the Twins, Bure and Luongo, and then Linden and Nasland not being up there? Like just uh, pretend there's pretend there's not even a ring of honor, like pretend like that's it. Or are you going to be thinking Nasland and Linden are guys that 
deserve to be up there. You know what? I would probably be okay with it, and I would probably think, you know what? Maybe they do deserve. It's just you retire too many numbers at this point, man. It's like, come on. Uh, that's my point, though, man. My point is, so like, yeah, I get it. You did retire too many numbers for all or all these guys. Like, like, there's not a guy up there that you're saying like take him down, and outside of one, and I'm sorry we keep bringing him up, <laughs> you know. But like, that's really it. Could you imagine if they actually unretire un- a number? They <laughs> just take it down. But I'll, I'll tell you, they they did do a really cool thing at the Sedin's uh, retirement week when they brought back the the jerseys from the era that they played in. That was cool. The only thing I don't like about it is that all the font is the same. And I just nitpicking. I am. It's just get the font right and put the years back on. What? What years? They they took the years that they played there. No, they're off now. All right. Put the years back on and give me the proper font. I don't want like Nazan's jersey to have the same font as Stan's meals. It makes no sense to me. I don't even notice that, but I do know what you're talking about with like the, the years the, that they played. The C that is like the C. So iconic. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on. If you're gonna do it, do it right. They did do it right, though. Man, they half did nit- it right. Nitpicking now. They half did it right. That's a nitpicking. No, I'm not. People notice these things. I wasn't the only one on Twitter that said, hey, the font's all the same. Hey, the years are gone. If you're gonna, the year is going away dead sort of surprised me. If you're going to do it, do it right. Or don't do it. Don't retire his number. If I'm any one of those players, I would say take my number down right now. Either you put it up right or I don't want to be retired by your franchise. Yeah, right. I'm being serious. <laughs> Anyway, I don't think we're going to go into uh, the all-time team, are we? No, I don't think so. I would say the all-time team was fine. The lines could use some shuffling. Um, yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't really want to get into it now. We're I've already been recording for like two hours, but uh, an hour thirteen. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I mean the the all-time great. The all-time team, I think, was fine. The problem that we had was sort of the line combinations, but um, I guess you know you're not really considering that. I mean, it's an all-time team, so. They did it right. Couple of omissions. I think the biggest one at Jovanovski. Um, other than that, like I think it was pre- pretty much done properly. And Jovanovski, the only other one I had was well, actually, some people were saying it should have been da- uh, Dan Hamhuis instead of Biaksa. I don't think so. I think it should be Jovanovski. Um, I thought Morrison should have got some love on that. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't think Morrison. I'm okay with Morrison being off. I thought Greg, Greg Adams. Probably might have, but that Cliff Ronning should have maybe gotten a sniff of, of that team. Maybe he's a black ace or something, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought it for the most part it was it was done right. It was done all right. It was done all right. It wasn't like there was there wasn't one like oh my god you can't believe that that you know that guy's off. And that's the other thing. If Jovanovski should be on that team, how come no one talks about Jovanovski as a ring of honor as one of the best to ever do it with this franchise? But yeah, why but- should he be on, on that team then? Right. That's like 16 players on that team, putting everybody on there. Yeah, why not? 16? Yeah. You're joking me? What are you talking about right now? There's 16 or whatever the hell amount of players that are on that. Yeah, it's a team. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're telling me all of them deserve to be in the Ring of Honor? Oh, no, no, no. Um,. You're not putting goddamn Jeff Courtney on the Ring of Honor. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Tanty's up there, isn't he? 
No. I feel like he was. Gr- uh, Gradine's Tan- up there. Tanti should be up there. Tanti got honored somewhere. Yeah, Tanti like, got honored somewhere. Yeah, I remember he got this. Honored, like in the like where did he like he played in the BCHL, didn't he? Quick Express, maybe? Like he got he got honored in, in some uh, junior league here. Uh not for the Canucks though. And not maybe he did get on with the Canucks, but not in the Ring of Honor. Um yeah, Gradine is up there, Hill Snaps is up there. Um but yeah. And Orland Curtinback, of course, is up there. The very first recipient. You know, the one thing about Orland Curtinback, people always talk about how like tough he was. He actually put up some points. He's a decent point guy. But again, this is like nineteen seventies hockey, so who knows? Right? Everyone was scoring twenty five goals then, no? But you're not putting put it this way, you're not putting your captain uh captaincy, especially the first ever captaincy, on a guy who's not at least somewhat skilled, right? So the era, um yeah, you're right, like the era, you don't know exactly what twenty five goals would mean in today's game, but at the end of the day I think that the organization saw some sort of skill in Orland Curtin back to put the captaincy on him, as well as his tough physical nature. They did. They must have. That is why He's still honored by the franchise, no? Yeah, well, <laughs> other than being the first happen. Like, it, it was funny because, like, um, like, I hadn't heard of Kurtenbach. Oh my god! Up until like 2010. Oh my god! And then after that, it was like, like ever since then, he's sort of just like been in the background. <laughs> yeah, they brought him back in, into the fold, you know, as they <laughs> yeah, should. They brought him back. Like I hadn't heard, like I, I knew who he was because I was like, you know, I was like a Canucks nerd. Like I knew who the first captain was. But I haven't, like, seen him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Raja has never heard of Google. He couldn't go Google Images. Well, like, I, I did, but, like, not, like, in his, like, what the hell he looked like today. You know what I mean? I saw <laughs> pictures of him. But, like, you know when you see, like, an old Canucks player that you you just knew that played for the team? Or you just knew what they looked like because you've seen him around or whatever? That you've seen him play, yep, for example? Yep. Or, you know, someone like... Marty Jelena, for example, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, for Orlan Kurtenbach, it was like, like, who the hell is this guy? Or like Gordy Howe, like Bobby Orr. Yeah, yeah. Right, like yeah, those guys. Like, you, like, I'd seen who they were in like at the end of their career. But Kurtenbach, I'd never seen. I hadn't even seen Barry Wilkins. Like, I know what Barry <laughs> Wilkins looked like. Well, now you know, because the, the Canucks have been honoring their legends for the last what ten years or so. As they should. This was Ryan Lee Hall, Roger Shergill, the SCT show on uh, who we think the greatest players in franchise history were and are. Does Luongo deserve his, to get his number retired? Who knows? If Roger says so. I say sure, yeah. maybe. I think it's 100% definitive for sure. We will see within the next few years, of course. Uh, Jake Vertanen get his number retired 2040. Tambier, uh, yeah. to say we on that. will. Uh, we will definitely. We'll still be doing this podcast Tan- then. Yeah. Yeah. The next couple of episodes, Tanvir and Nam will be back shortly. I promise you guys. Um, we'll talk to them. We'll talk to Tanvir about uh, all of that situation. And yeah. Peace. Dude, the whole bed ran out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>